Good morning. Um, I am once again speaking to you from our front room. Um, and I'm Sarah, um, one of the support leaders at Ebby. Um, this morning we're looking at 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1. Um, last week Steve finished our series on 1 Thessalonians and we're continuing on with this series of hope right the way through. Um, so Paul wrote two letters to the church at Thessalonica and they think that this one was probably within a year of the previous one. So it's almost like Paul visited, set up the church, went away, wrote a letter to them and then they sent some sort of questions to him. Questions that we have no access to, no way of knowing exactly what they were. And so Paul wrote um, two Thessalonians to them. And so this is the letter that we've got. It's one of his earliest letters, second or third one that he'd written, that we've got rec recorded. And it's generally a very, very positive letter. Um, Thessalonica is just at the top of the Aegean Sea. It was a huge trade port, huge area for transport and for goods and all sorts coming around. So that's the people he's writing to here. So we have 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you brothers and sisters and rightly so because your faith is growing more and more and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to the, you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marvelled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a bit of a mixed chapter, and... It's one of those where you think, oh, they're actually obviously having quite a tough time of it. Talks about persecutions and trials. And I tried to think, you know, are there any times in my life when actually things have, have been a bit like this? Um, and the closest I can think of was a time when I was taking finals at university. If I didn't pass them, I wouldn't be able to go on and do the career that I finally now do. Um, and that worried me. Um, what happened if I didn't? What was going on? The future seemed a little unsecure. 
Um, and suddenly my at the time boyfriend proposed and we got engaged. And this was in the middle of my exams, or right at the beginning of my exams. And people sort of said, oh, didn't that put you off a bit? But actually there was a sense of, I had a hope. I had a sense that actually the future was okay because I knew that he would support me in whatever happened. He would support me if I needed to do other exams or if I needed to do other qualifications or needed to do something differently. He would stand next to me. And that gave me a sense of hope in what I was facing at the time. Now that's very, very different in many ways from what the Thessalonians were, were facing. They were actually facing uh, persecution they were probably facing death, which was quite common at this time in the Roman Empire. And Paul writes this letter to bring them some sense of hope. So as we start at the beginning of the chapter, he's, he's quite thankful, he's upbeat. He's saying, yes, you're doing really well, you're growing. I'm seeing this hope and this growth that's going on in you. He sees their love, their faith and their perseverance even though they're undergoing those trials and those persecutions. It's possible that one of the things they'd asked him about was, you know, why aren't we seeing justice? Why are we going through all this? What's going on if we are living that life that you have taught us and that we are expecting will bring us life with God? Why are we facing this? And sometimes we can feel a bit like that when times get tough. But actually, what Paul tells them is not, okay, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. It's all, God will sort it out now. That's not what he says. He actually takes a look at the longer view. And when we see in verse 7, he talks about Jesus coming again. Now, at that point in time, and we're probably AD 50, so this is probably about 17 years after the crucifixion. Give, give or take a few years. So this is not a long time. Some of these people would have known people who were in Jerusalem at that time. They would have known people. This is, you know, well within a lifespan. Um, and Paul, they were expecting Jesus to come back almost any day. And yet that's not happened. They're just facing persecution. Things are getting harder and harder and harder. And here we are nearly 2,000 years after this letter was written, and still Jesus hasn't come again, yet. And that's why this hope that he gives us now is actually a hope that is for us as much as it was for them. Because it is still true, Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, he will bring justice. Something that they probably felt was severely lacking and something which many times today we see as being lacking. So, how does that work? You know, we've got justice, but in the future. But when we actually look at it, that actually this life is actually just part of life. It's not the whole of life. That actually we will see justice. God promises that. And we will see final decisions to either be with God for an eternity or gone and away from God for eternity. 
there's a real sense with the justice that that is going to come fully at the second coming. As I said, we don't see it today. And we know we don't see justice. doesn't matter what our law courts do. We know we don't see justice all the time. And so I think what Paul is saying here is that, yeah, life might be really difficult now, but Jesus is returning. Life might be unjust now, but Jesus is returning. We are living in God's kingdom that Jesus has inaugurated and started. And it's not fully here yet. But the hope is, that solid hope, it is coming. It will come. That is a certainty. And that God's kingdom will be fully expressed. And that's something that we can kind of go, oh, does that mean I just hope it, like I hope it's going to be sunny when we go away? Or is it actually, no, this is something that is true that I can hold on to and say, I know I'm holding on to something that's solid. And that's actually what Paul is saying to them. This is something that is solid. Jesus is coming again and he will bring justice. We don't often talk about God's judgment. And yet it is something that the Bible teaches. It is something that is very, very real. And it's, when we see it in this letter particularly, he talks about it being based on faith, their faith, their perseverance, their love. In verse 5 he talks about all those things. And there's plenty of other things too. But I think what is lovely is that judgment is not results-based. We are not judged on the results that we come out with. And it's relationship-based. That is so much more beautiful that actually what we are judged on is are we in relationship with God or are we not? That actually takes the pressure off a lot because I can't perform, I can't do the right things all the time. Not out of a sense of fear because otherwise judgment is going to come but when I live in that relationship with the God who loves me, I will do many of those things out of a sense of relationship and out of a sense of love. So we see that actually justice is part of God's character. You know, he is just. In 1 John 4, it says that God is love. And I think these two things are really strongly linked. If we have Love without justice, you can land up with some sort of weird indulgence. If we have justice but without love, that can be tyrannical. It can be really scary, really frightening. But actually when we see God's justice, it demonstrates what love really looks like. Love without, um, you know, if we're loving someone, it includes wanting the best for them. And if God allows us to continue in sin and to hurt ourselves and to hurt others, that is actually not the most loving option. And we see this with Jesus, with the woman caught in adultery in John 8. He turns to her, he saves her from 
the consequences of her sin. And yet he turns around and says, actually, go and sin no more. He doesn't want her to continue in that lifestyle. He wants to see her freed. He wants to see her living in relationship with God. And it can be hard to think that actually this justice happens when Jesus returns. Happens fully when Jesus returns. But actually, I also know that there are plenty of times I think, actually, I'm not ready to face that at the moment. I don't want, well, I never want to face it, but I also know that because God's justice is loving, it's safe, it's okay. The trouble is that when we read words, um, like in verse 8, when it talks about punishment, we think about the legal system that we have today. And, you know, that's not necessarily how, how it is. It's not necessarily how God is. It talks in verse 8 about punishment for those who don't know God and who don't obey his gospel. And I think we can really come out with a sort of big judge person judging us and bringing punishment and cracking a whip or, you know, whatever. Um, but I think if if that's the picture that I have in my head, that's not the picture that we get from Jesus. And Jesus is the full revelation of what God is like. So if that's the picture that you're coming up with, then something's gone wrong with that. That's not what God is like. When we look at retributive justice versus restorative justice, um, the retributive justice is kind of some of what we have in this country. It's not as simple as that. But actually, we tend to think that about it. Punishment is not linked necessarily to the crime. It is a punishment for it. So it would be things like going to prison for theft. There's not actually a link between stealing something and losing your freedom. But that is the way that we punish in this country. Um, and we see it in the Old Testament. It's what's called the lex talionis, the eye for an eye and the tooth for a tooth. Um, there was a sense of there is a punishment for what you have done. Another type of justice is called restorative justice. And it actually seeks to look much more about the relationship and how that relationship can be restored. What the effect on the victim is, those kind of things. And actually, when we look at Jesus, we almost see him leaning more in that direction about punishment. And if that's how Jesus looks at it, then that's our picture of what God does. He talks about turning the other cheek. He talks about going the extra mile. And that's straight after he quoted the eye for an eye bit. Um, but actually, what Jesus is allowing at that point is allowing someone space to restore relationship. That punishment is actually giving space to restore relationship. And actually that is something that is hopeful. That gives us a sense of hope if we see that as the way that Jesus wants punishment to work. is something that gives us space to be restored to God. Thing is, this doesn't guarantee that someone's going to respond. It just gives them space to. When we look... Um, in verse 9, we see what the punishment is. Um, and the punishment is everlasting destruction. So for those where there is no chance way back, then we see that they are destroyed. 
Now, we again, we don't talk much about hell, um, but there are a few major views on hell. And one of them is a very eternal conscious torment. It's long. It means that someone would be awake, conscious of the torment they would be suffering, and that that would go on forever and ever and ever. Another view, and it's the one that I would subscribe to, would be conditional immortality, also called the annihilationist view, which is actually where once someone has decided completely against God, at that judgment day, that's it. They're gone. Life is not continued. That God gives us life, he maintains life, and that actually when someone says, no, I don't want it, I don't want that relationship with you, then actually he takes that away and says, okay, that's, that's your choice. And it talks about, um, in this passage, about being punished with everlasting destruction. That destruction is complete. It's gone. That's my view on it. Um, I believe it's a biblical view. Um, but it's definitely, it talks about being shut out from the presence of God and God's glory. That's something I never want to face. It's something I don't want any of my friends or family to, to face. It's someone, something that God doesn't want anybody on this planet to ever face. And yet he does give us that choice. So that's quite a heavy, heavy thing. But actually what this passage is talking about is saying that actually there is a justice. And it is about relationship with God. When we look at again a bit further, Paul talks about fruitfulness. And he prays that there's going to be a real fruitfulness. You know, this here is a church that's suffering persecution. But he's saying, yeah, I want to see you be a church that is fruitful, that goes forward, that sees new people come into that relationship with God. And he prays for a change in them over time, making them more Christ-like which is something that I pray for. It's something that I want to see in me and in others. I want to see us become more like Jesus. And the impact that would have on the world is you know, indescribable. It's something that we can't quantify because it's too big. But the thing is, we need his power to do that. We can't do that on his own. And... Another thing that helps us in that is having that sense of hope. That even if things are really bad at the moment, things are really tough at the moment, knowing that God will actually have that final word makes a difference. It does give us a sense of hope. Thing is, it's not coronavirus that's going to have the final word. It's not governments that are going to have the final word. Not family, not those who want to harm us, not those who tell us those lies that we're not worth anything, that we can't, that we won't, that we won't ever amount to anything. It's not anything else in all of creation that actually will make a difference. God will have that final word. So as we look down this letter, what we see is that Paul is saying, you are growing, you're bearing fruit. 
You're doing well, guys. Go for it. Times are tough. Really tough. And for many of us today, that is the case today. Different, different tough, but still very, very tough. And then he turns around and says, but the hope that you can hold on to with absolute certainty is that Jesus is coming back, that justice will happen, and it will be absolutely forever. And that hope is still the same for us today. So I suppose the questions I want to ask is, are we bearing that fruit as we wait? Are we growing? Are we becoming more Christ-like? Are we living in faith and love and perseverance? Are we showing that love and that hope to others around us? And I think one thing I want to really encourage is that you find someone this week to pray with, to actually say, I want to be able to see that hope in the midst of my circumstances. I want to know that Jesus' justice is real and true and to hold on to that hope as a real solid point um, because actually that makes a difference for us now. So I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you that even though things seem so unjust at times today, even though things seem so all over the place, you will bring justice and you will do that in love. So Lord, I pray now that you will help us to see that love and that hope and that, that future that's there, that we will be able to hold on to that no matter what we're going through at the moment. Thank you, Lord. Amen.